Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Equipping You podcast. We're in season one, and this is episode two. I'm Terry, and I'm the church ministries leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the home offices of the Eastern PA Alliance, and I'm the church planning leader there. And uh, indeed, we are separated today by uh, hundreds of miles. I'm on the base of Pikes Peak here in the national office, and Alan is on the shores of the Susquehanna River uh, near Harrisburg, PA. We're glad you're along for this uh, Equipping You podcast, where we equip uh, leaders and pastors and where we give random pertinent NFL scores. And so I would like to mention that last Sunday, we're recording this in December, last Sunday, the Miami Dolphins defeated the New England Patriots 34 to 33 in what will be known forever as the miracle in Miami. Alan, which NFL team do you root for? I think we know that I root for the Patriots, thanks to that intro. And let me just say that It's actually sad that Miami considers that a good season as long as they beat us once. (laughs) Well, the New England Patriots are easy to pick on, so we're uh, we're happy Mm. to do that. Well, on to better things. I just wanted to make sure that was uh, mentioned. But today we're going to be talking to uh, Gary McIntosh from the uh, Church Growth Network. I recently had the opportunity to meet Gary as he came uh, to uh, talk with our Alliance uh, District Superintendents and Association Presidents about the subject of church revitalization, which is our subject today. Gary uh, has been one of those people, I'm sure you've had these people in your life, Alan, who influence you even before you know them. Absolutely. Because you've read a bunch of their books. Yes, yep. And sure thing from them. So uh, I've read uh, his book called Beyond the First Visit, uh, One Size Doesn't Fit All, Taking Your Church to the Next Level. And most recently, I read a book that Gary wrote called uh, There's Hope for Your Church. That is a very uh, helpful book on uh, church revitalization. Many of our churches, I'm sure this is true across uh, districts and across denominations, but uh, many of our churches are either plateaued or declining. Maybe they've lost their way a little bit in terms of uh, outward focus, and uh, Gary's uh, leadership, his books, seminars uh, help to uh, bring our focus back to reaching lost people for Jesus and seeing our churches go forward as a result. So with that said, glad you've joined us for this uh, Episode two of season one. Looking forward to talking to Gary. It's our privilege to welcome to the Equipping You podcast, Dr. Gary McIntosh. Uh, Gary, great to have you here, man. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. So, so you are the uh, founder, I believe, and director of the Church Growth Network. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that came into came into being. I got started in uh, working with churches through an organization called the Institute for American Church Growth. Uh, that would have been uh, way back in about 1983 to 1986. 
And uh, that was an organization that was headed up by uh, Wynn Arn, uh, a famous uh, church growth man from back in the 1970s, 80s, and early 1990s. While I worked for him, I found that um, a lot of the evangelical churches were not uh, calling him for help, but they needed help and they needed assistance. And so I thought that I would like to position myself where I could help more of the evangelical churches with some of the needs that they had to uh, reach people for Christ and um, assimilate them into churches where they could be discipled. And uh, so I eventually made a transition to be a professor at uh, Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. And when I got there, I decided to start an organization under which I could do consulting and speaking uh, for churches. And so in um, 1987, I started an organization called Macintosh Consulting, but quickly learned that everybody thought I was a computer consultant. <laughs> and uh, wonder why. Uh, That's that, a problem. Uh, that was a bit frustrating. Um, I was in a church one time, and a secretary said she'd been throwing all my materials away uh, because she thought I was a computer consultant and didn't realize I was working with churches. So we changed our name in 1989, the Church Growth Network, and uh, that's uh, been just the uh, organization that I've um, worked under for now about uh, 30, what, um, uh, 39 years or something like that. Something, it's been a long time. Yeah. Well, as it's been around all that time, it has to have changed over time. How has it changed? Well, as far as the organization, it hasn't changed much, but um, I would say the things that I'm asked to do uh, have been changed. Uh, for instance, I would say for about the first 15 years or so, I was called upon a lot to do uh, friendship evangelism training in churches. And I would say the last 15 or 20 years, I, I've only been asked one time to do friendship evangelism training. And that, that's, to me, that's been a major change uh, to see in churches how they've um, moved from a focus on evangelism to uh, more of a focus on uh, dealing with uh, social justice-type issues, uh, which sometimes includes the proclamation of the gospel salvation, but um, many times it doesn't. Wow, that's an interesting insight. Yes, Appreciate that. So, Gary, you... Uh obviously have had contact for a number of years with a lot of evangelical churches across the U.S. Uh, I'm wondering, as you kind of have your fingers on the pulse of things uh, today, how would you describe the overall state of the uh, evangelical church in America? I think in uh, large part, there's uh, a lot of discouragement out there today. I, I do think that there's also a lot of excitement. Uh, the discouragement comes in large part, I think, from the fact that a lot of the uh, churches are struggling. There's no doubt that there's been a lot of changes in our culture. You know, going back to my earlier comment about evangelism, uh, you know, there was a time in the USA when uh, we were feeling pretty confident about uh, sharing our faith and felt like we understood how to communicate uh, to unchurched people. But uh, the culture has changed so much today, and uh, there's even uh, kind of an anti-Christian feel out there uh, in the public forum, so to speak. 
And I think that that's caused a lot of our people in our churches to be hesitant about sharing their faith. And I think a lot of churches are struggling. How do we proclaim the gospel in a so-called post-Christian environment, uh, which is somewhat uh, anti-Christian? That, I think, along with the fact that uh, we had a lot of church planting that went on between 1900 and uh, 1960s or so, and a lot of those churches now are at the downturn of their natural life cycles, and a lot of those churches are struggling. The the early years of vision are gone, and uh, now they're just struggling with survival, and so I think there's a a worry out there, what are we going to do with these um, older, many times smaller churches that are struggling today? And, and thus, there's a lot of interest today in how to turn around churches, how to revitalize churches. That, that's a major theme wherever I go uh, in the USA today. On the other hand, though, I think there's a, a big positive out there, too, and that is that uh, God seems to be birthing new movements through young pastors who are starting new churches that are growing uh, rapidly. Back in the 1960s and 70s, it took about 35 years for a church to, to grow from an initial church plant to about 2,000 worshipers. Today, we've got churches that um, are planted, and with, within two or three years, they're running uh, 2,000 people. You know, there's a lot of good that's happening out there, a lot of young pastors who seem to be uh, reaching people well. On the other hand, in some of the older churches, I think a lot of discouragement. Well, I appreciate that. That's a very good scan of the uh, American evangelical church horizon, and I, I appreciate that insights. Gary, uh, a lot of times when we talk to our pastors, we try to help them to clearly understand where they are uh, so they can know then where they need to go. Uh, so help uh, some of the pastors of our plateaued and declining churches. What would be the characteristics, typical characteristics of a plateaued and declining church? I think one of the things, of course, is you look at your worship attendance over the last 10 years and whatever trend you see uh, in that period of time, Uh, typically will continue for the next 10 years unless we step in and do something about it. I would also look at uh, the actual uh, attendance, and particularly for smaller churches. If a church gets down to less than probably 100 people in a city or less than 50 people in a rural community, I would think that that's a danger sign also. Uh, Another thing I'd look at is how many uh, actual leaders I have in the church. And by a leader, I mean someone who actually has other people who are following them. And uh, normally a church will need about uh, one leader for every 10 people in a church. And if you drop below that, uh, let's say you have one leader for every 15 or 20 people in the church, that's usually a, a major danger sign also. Another thing, particularly for smaller churches, is if you, if you get below about 25 giving units in the church, financial giving units, that's usually a danger sign. In a city, it may be if you drop below even 50 giving units, because in cities, sometimes the expenses are so much more. Uh, you typically need about 50 giving units in order to really thrive as a church. You can survive on less than that, but you can't really thrive uh, with that. I'd look at the board, for instance. Um, 
on your board of uh, directors, elders, uh, deacons, whatever the church happens to call them. Do you have anybody on the board who has been in the church uh, uh, less than uh, five years? If a church has a board where everybody on the board has been in the church longer than five years, it indicates that you're not bringing in new, fresh ideas to the board of directors to uh, give you, uh, you know, fresh insights for the future. I'd also look at the, uh, the church compared to the community. For instance, what is the average age of people in the community around the church? If your average age of your church is greater than 10 years older than the average age in the community, then that's usually a danger sign that you're in trouble as a church because it indicates you're not reaching people in the community. But other things you'd look at would be things like what is the ethnic mix of the church versus uh, what's the ethnic mix in the community? Does your church reflect the community? Uh, things like that. That's just a few. Yeah, those are great, great, stuff. Uh, great, great, Gary. And um, I, I kind of compare taking a look at those kind of things. It's like going in for your blood test at the doctor. You know, you can you can think everything's okay. Well, I can keep eating the way I want and my cholesterol is going to be fine. Then you go in for the blood test and you get the reality check. And so I think that's uh, true for churches sometimes when they sit and look at some of the things that you're talking about. It's like a reality check for them, a wake-up call that lets them know they need to do some things differently. They need to They need to make some changes. So what are some things that churches need to do, especially as we're thinking of plateaued and declining churches? Some things that churches need to do to become healthy, and then perhaps some things that churches need to do to stay healthy. I think the first thing that um, I usually ask churches to do is to uh, call people to prayer. I, I think the pastor, as well as the key board members, other key leaders in the church, uh, need to go into a intentional season of prayer that God would show them the, the way forward in the next uh, five to 10 years. And then, of course, call the people of the church to intentional prayer in that regard, too. I think then, too, it's, it's always good to uh, take a look at the church, a realistic view of what's really happening. You know, uh, what has been the worship attendance over the last 10 years? What has been the membership trend over the last 10 years? Um, how many new people have come to faith? through our church over the last 10 years. Uh, I think that uh, just taking a serious look, some of the questions we already talked about, take a serious look at the church, be completely open and honest about what really is happening in the church. I think that's important to, to really know, uh, like you said, when you go to the doctor, you know, it, it's good to know that you've got some physical problems because then you can do something about it. So that's right, that's right. prayer, Take a look at what's really happening uh, in the church. Sometimes it's best for a church to get some outside help in doing that, either by bringing in a denominational leader to help them, you know, analyze the church or bringing in someone from the outside like a church consultant or something often helps to get a really honest perspective of what's happening. And then once you um, once a church has done that and uh, they they see the trends and they know what's happening, then they need to seriously come together as leaders in the church and to decide what action they're going to take. You know, if they if they see, for instance, that you know the 
number of people coming to faith in Christ uh, has been uh, none, say, for the last five years. And what could we do this year to be more focused on outreach? Or if they notice that uh, new people are visiting, but new people aren't staying, then they need to take a serious look at the whole assimilation process. How, how are we welcoming our guests? How are we, uh, you know, how could we do a better job of helping them fit into the church and connect with friendships and things like that? So, you know, I mean, that's the big three. I think prayer, growth in a church is a spiritual action. God causes the growth of the church. And I think that starts with prayer, asking him to show us the way. And then we uh, analyze the church and see what the struggles and needs are and weaknesses. And then we take action based on what we discover. Uh, You know, those are the big three. You know, we can go into a lot more, but I think that's the big three steps. That's good, Gary. And and I think what you said about Having somebody come come in from the outside can be a very helpful thing. Sometimes uh, when we're involved in a situation, we can't really see it as clearly as somebody coming in from the outside to um, speak into it. So I think that district or denominational person or consultant of some sort can be uh, extremely helpful to the church that is uh, stuck. Yes, yeah. I found that uh, when a church does some sort of a, of a uh, church growth analysis or church health analysis or survey of itself, it opens up a window of opportunity to uh, make some changes and to become more fruitful for the future. Yeah, good word. That is a good word. You know, I know that momentum can really be helpful when a church feels like it's moving forward. It feels like the people's faith in the Lord is up and they're excited about what God is doing. But when you lose momentum, it's really hard to get it back. I wonder if you could kind of give some pastors uh, some insights and church leaders some insights on recognizing when they're losing momentum so they don't wait a little bit too long that it's kind of hard to get a jet start again. You know, there's there's the fact that churches go through kind of a natural life cycle. And historically, most churches, the first 15, 20 years, they have that momentum, as you call it. And they tend to start losing the momentum around year 15 or year 20. So if it's a newer church, I would say you need to be aware of that. You need to uh, recognize that typically there's a loss of vision and a loss of momentum uh, somewhere around the 15th or uh, 20th year in a church and to seek to keep a fresh vision in front of the people as you reach that particular uh, point in time. Now, for older churches that are, say, 30 years or older, typically the main thing in momentum is uh, the loss of vision. And there's a difference between vision and mission. Uh, Mission, as I defined it, is the biblical reason the church exists. But vision is the way that we put that mission uh, into practice uh, in in the local community. So I think the key for most churches is to reestablish a fresh vision that is something that they're doing in the community to reach people for Christ or make a difference for Christ in their uh, immediate community. And so I, what I recommend is that a pastor begin to pray and ask God, what is God's vision for the future? It, it's not our vision, but we want to know what God's vision is for our local church for the future. And I think, again, that starts with prayer. I think a pastor needs to start doing that um, himself and then uh, call the board into uh, praying about that. 
But I think the pastor and the board together need to take a serious look at, at the needs in the community and and uh, perhaps find a need in the community that the church could minister to and then establish a vision on that that would excite the people. We don't have enough time today to really talk about that process. But what I found is when a church gets a practical kind of boots on the ground vision that they can share with the people, that the people start getting excited. Then the momentum slowly begins to build again. It builds by the leaders of a church establish some some victories along the way. So, uh, you know, a pastor and a and the leaders need to do some things that will be successful uh, in the church. And sometimes it's baby steps. So sometimes it's something like just remodeling the nursery and then celebrating the fact that we were able to remodel the nursery. You know, it's uncanny. I've noticed that. For instance, a church that hasn't had any young children or little babies in the church, when they start praying and asking God to send them young families and they, they step out and they remodel the nursery, it's uncanny, but God brings them some babies. Yeah. And uh, then that raises um, morale, it raises momentum. Uh, I think it's a twofold thing. One is establishing a fresh vision of outreach into the community. And then the other one, I think, is doing some small steps that are victorious where you can create uh, successful momentum. And again, in many cases, they have to be small baby steps in the beginning, some small things, because um, you have to kind of rebuild the people's faith uh, in what they can actually do as a group of people. Yeah, it's a good word. That's fantastic. Absolutely. I think uh, pastors underestimate the power of small steps to help rebuild the confidence and uh, excitement of a, of a local congregation. Right. Celebrate every small victory. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, and I found that churches are, uh, uh, that's an area where they're weak is celebrating victories. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, you know, in a, in a turnaround situation, you need to celebrate anything that's good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So appreciate your emphasis on prayer. I'm a prayer and planning guy, not a prayer or planning guy, but every plan that we have should flow out of prayer, should flow out of the heart of God. So I think that's a great emphasis. So uh, Gary, as we bring this to a close, quickly give us uh, some helpful resources, pastors, leaders out there listening who are desiring turnaround for their church. What would you uh, say to them or some helpful resources? Well, you're going to have to allow me to do a little bit of uh, self-advertising here, but... uh, We welcome that. I think if a church uh, wants to see where they are on the natural life cycle, if they they would get my book, Taking Your Church to the Next Level... Yep, read it. uh, Appreciated it. That's a book. That's a book that's good for small, medium, or large churches because it covers them all. But uh, it's got actually a little testing instrument in there that a pastor and a board members can take themselves and kind of see where they are on the life cycle of a church. And then uh, it gives them ideas on what steps they need to take in order to, you know, move to another level. So taking your church to the next level would be one. My newest book is Building the Body. 12 Characteristics of a, uh, a Fit Church. And again, that's a, a book that would be good for small, medium, or large churches because it, it gives them a lot of practical how-tos and steps that they could take no matter where they are in their church situation. 
Fantastic. Well, Gary, we appreciate you joining us today and uh, sharing with us out of your wealth of experience of working with churches. May the Lord continue to uh, use you. May even some things that have been said today uh, spur some churches on to take a good hard look at where they're at and uh, begin to pray that God would bring the changes necessary to help them reach people for Jesus in their community. Thanks for being with us, Gary. Yes, thank you, Gary. Well, thank you very much, and let's do it again and talk about evangelism, because that's something that's close to my heart, and I think it's something that uh, churches need to, to reemphasize in our day and age. Couldn't agree more. We'll do that sometime. Absolutely. But thanks so much. God bless you. God bless you, too. Thank you. So, Alan, it was uh, great to talk to a man of uh, Gary's experience. Uh, what are some key takeaways uh, for you from this uh, session? I would say, honestly, the biggest takeaway for me is just recognizing ahead of time when you're losing momentum and say, Lord, we need a new vision yeah. that inspires us to dig in again and to dream for the future. Uh, if we can catch that, if we can recognize and humbly admit that we've lost momentum and then get on our knees and say, Lord, help us, give us a new clear vision. That could save a lot of churches from going down a road uh, that is much harder to recover from. So true. You know, if you're hearing, you're listening to the podcast, we know you're enjoying what you're hearing. Uh, you're going to enjoy the other episodes too. We want to really encourage you to subscribe to our Equipping You podcast on whatever format you listen to your podcasts on. And also, if you can share us on social media, that would be fantastic. Uh, we would love to have that. That would benefit your friends uh, in ministry. And it would also uh, be a blessing to us as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, great to have you all with us today. Uh, appreciate AJ the Hat Man Gutierrez, our producer, who keeps us sounding great. Thanks, Alan. And uh, look forward to having you all join us next time on the Equipping You podcast. Until then, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.